What is that odious stench? Smells like teenagers. Why not? The movie podcast and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Marine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love. And we see where the conversation takes us from there. If you're a regular listener, thank you and welcome back to the show. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. Thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk and, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by All-Star Superfan co-host Rob O'Connor to discuss the 1995 tie-in movie, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. They've never been stronger, bolder, or more fearless. They have never had to be until now. From the center of the Earth comes the most powerful enemy they've ever faced. It's time to pay the piper. Uh Let's do it, guys. It's morphin' time. Have a nice trip. Watch the birdie. (laughs) Bye-bye. Gotta love it. Taking over the world is one thing. Finding good help to run it for you. That's the killer. The only way they can conquer a terror this big (laughs) is to discover an ancient source of power. Let's do it! It's the Zords! Yeah, Zords, small, just crush them like roaches. If you think you've seen it all, think again. Ninja Zords! Rockets away! Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Pay attention now, here it comes. The power is on. Hello Rob, how are you? It's Morphin time. It is Morphin time. God, I wish the film was as exciting as how you just delivered that line. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We'll, we'll get into it in a minute, but yeah, I, um, I read the Roger Ebert review because I've never seen this film. Really? I read the Roger Ebert review and I was like, oh, that seems really harsh. And then I watched it. I was like, no, nah, he was probably quite fair. <laughs> uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. How's things for you anyway? How's things been going? Things are good. I've been absolutely bonkers at work. Uh, we released a very exciting episode of All-Star Superfan just recently with um, the Irish artist Kean Tormey. Who brought... That episode was great. Thank I love all much. the all the misses he had. Yeah, he had a no, great I... story for how he got in with DC Comics in the end. <laughs> Yeah, his whole secret origin story was was really kind of interesting, and and I I hope anyone who's into kind of 
comic art and stuff like that well worth a listen in terms of like how do you actually get a career doing that it's not easy it's it's extremely no. difficult e- um, even if your mum knows a bloke <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which in his case she did, and he still managed to, you know, well, in in his own words, he he uh, he missed that opportunity. So so that was really good. We 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 do have more coming out. We we've kind of taken a pause for recording just for a week or two, just because we've been we've both been really swamped, but but good stuff on the horizon, definitely. And uh, other than that, just 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 living life, having a having a good time. Uh, really really psyched to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> yeah, which is. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, which I can only imagine you pick this to punish me for picking Taffin. <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, little bit of info about the film then. So directed by Brian Spicer, written by John Campson, Arn Olsen, based on the story by, well, it's John Campson, Arn Olsen was the story, and then Arn Olsen wrote the script. Starring Karen Ashley, Johnny Youngbosch, uh, Stephen Cardenas, uh, Jason right. David Frank, Amy Jo Johnson, David Yost, um, Jason Narvey, Paul Schreier, and Paul Freeman. Uh, released in cinemas on the 30th of June, 1995 in the US and the 21st of July, 1995 in the UK. Grossed $66,433,394 worldwide on an estimated budget of $20 million. Cha-ching. And Roger Ebert gave the film half a star out of four, <laughs> saying Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, is about as close as you can get to, uh, to absolutely nothing and still have a product to project on the screen. Yeah. The movie is like those synthetic foods that have no fat, no sugar, no vitamins, and no calories. But they come in bright <laughs> packages, and you can chew them. Uh, what depresses me in you, uh, inutterably sorry, about uh, is that children who are fresh and in, um, inquisitive will go to this movie, and for 88 minutes, the movie will do what it can to deaden their imaginations. The movie is like a little unkindness to, uh, done to its victims, which, like I say, I thought was a bit harsh, but then I watched the film and I kind of want it. Um, it also made the uh, Siskel and Ebert's worst films in 1995 list for uh, the episode they did at the end of that year. Um, I couldn't find a Barry Norman review, but Angie Arrigo gave the film two stars out of five in Empire Magazine when it was released. I feel like Barry Norman would have said something racist about the Black... Oh, well, no, hang on a second. I was about to say the Black Ranger, but the Black Ranger is now a different guy, which we'll get into. So Yeah, so, he's yeah, um, no room. Johnny Young Bosch, isn't he? Yes, yes, he is. Are you familiar with Mr. Bosch's work elsewhere? I uh, not overly know. He's one of the. He's one of them that actually has, you know, a considerable career. He's a celebrated voice actor. I know he's done martial arts and other films and stuff like that. So he actually kind of is someone outside of Power Rangers. But uh, yeah, he, all right. Uh, no, I, I know one of them popped up in CSI as a semi regular from one of the later Power Rangers series. Ah, okay. um, I stole this off my son as well. Oh, Stuart, are you serious? Where did you get that? Where did he get that? He got it. It was part of their legacy release stuff. He got it in Toys R Us when they were closing down, so it was reduced. He oh, was for like fuck's four. Sake. Sorry. <laughs> what a waste. I want that. Oh, he's, he loved and cared for this thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Which color is it now? Sorry, just for it's, anyone it's, who is It's the green or the it? white one. You can. I'd say that is, in fact, the green one then. Or the green or the white one because at the time, you can swap, baby. You yeah. can swap the stuff, things out. So. But yeah, it's. Uh... That is super duper cool. I want that so badly. It's all fun and games till the batteries are dying and it goes off in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, as long as we're talking, um, as long as we're talking Power Ranger merch, can you indulge me for just a few moments, Stuart? Yes. Yep. Right. So, and 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 I want to segue. I I, I want to talk about the Power Rangers phenomenon to provide some context for your listeners as well, because I feel like 
you know, you mentioned this is your first time watching the movie. Uh, anyone listening to this might, might be closer to your age than mine. So they might not have the kind of context for, uh, needed to kind of properly appreciate what a Leviathan this film was. So hold on a second here. Um, first up is my Power Rangers uh, Lightning Collection Morpher. Nice. Okay. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, this this is the uh, Morpher that the Power Rangers use to turn into their respective Ranger forms. I have it... Uh, it currently houses the uh, the the red Tyrannosaurus coin, if you don't mind. Uh, I, I have all the different coins. I'm not going to cycle through each one, but <laughs> suffice to say, each one makes a different sound. Okay. Uh, I, I I have this. This is a uh, Tommy Fliphead uh, action figure. Uh, we got the. They re-released those, didn't they, a few years ago? They did. The, well, we yeah, got the so, green one. Oh, don't worry about that. I have him too. Because so, Tommy was my eldest favorite. He liked the Green Ranger because green was his favorite color. So the um yeah you're referring to Bandai had the uh toy I, I won't go too deep into this they had the toy license for Power Rangers for a million and one years and they did re-release their classic nineties figures a couple of years ago right before they lost the license and uh, one of those ones was in fact this iconic Tommy Fliphead yeah. which is the Green Ranger but then Hasbro recently got the license and uh, or they in fact now own the franchise outright and they've kind of done modern versions of it which is the the White Ranger one I just show you there as well. Um, and then what else do I have? Yeah, I have a couple of other similar ones. And then I also have this uh, toy Megazord here as well. This, oh, nice. Uh, you can get ones that actually are like really, really big and combine. I, I just have this kind of action figure size one that doesn't, and it just looks nice on my desk. So Yeah, my eldest has got a load of the Lightning Collection toys. And the only Power Ranger stuff I've got is the Turtles ones, which are in the glass case behind me. And that brings me to my first point, which is the cultural phenomenon that is Power Rangers. The closest thing you can compare it to is, I think, the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Because very similar, uh, it, it it was, you know, it was seen to be this very strange thing that kids liked for some reason. Kind of came out of nowhere. Controversial and, uh, in the playground. It, it it was controversial in the playground for the violence. You know, there, there was a lot of talk about violence. The first time I ever heard the word violence, violence. Oh, it's too violent. It was around Power Rangers. Um came out of nowhere it was a flash in the pan it was the biggest thing in the world for about three or four years and then it kind of it didn't go away it just sort of it, it, it's more of a kind of a cult thing now than than it was in the 90s in the 90s at least my memory of power rangers when it first started it was the biggest thing in the world it's it's what people describe ninja turtles and masters of the universe and star wars as being that's what Power Rangers was on my kind of playground. Yeah. Like it, it was different to kind of like I was obviously Batman is number one for me. Superman is like a very like infinitesimally small number, like distance between the two. But Superman is number two. Um, But, you know, Super Batman and Superman, you know, some kids liked it. Some kids. Well, definitely with Power Rangers, everybody listened to it. Everybody watched it. Everybody was was talking about it. And, and even if they didn't, they pretended like they did. Yeah. You know? And I specifically remember, you know, before the movie that there was a stage show. So my understanding of it now is I, I didn't even know this at the time, but the actual actors in the show appeared in this like live stage show that went on tours around the world. And it did come to Ireland. And my mom asked me, do you want tickets to Power Rangers or do you want to have a birthday party? Like that's how expensive the tickets were. It was it was a choice between one and the other. I chose a birthday party. And one of my friends, Shane O'Neill, literally said to me, you should have you should have chosen Power Rangers, man. You made the wrong choice. 
<laughs> like that's how big a deal it was. And he went to the stage show and I remember describing it to me. It was like, oh man, like they storm Rita, Rita's palace. So they take her down. And it's like, it, it sounded like the culmination of the whole show. And I remember feeling, oh, maybe I did make the wrong choice. Um, But yeah, it was the biggest thing in the world. And then I feel like when they switched it up then, you, you know, so for anyone who doesn't know, very, very quickly, Power Rangers is actually a, a Japanese show called Super Sentai, which comes from Japan. This very industrious man named Haim Saban uh, decided that it would be amazing to take the footage of Super Sentai where they're in their colorful suits fighting monsters and kind of Americanize it and place all these kind of cheaply made Say by the Bell-esque American scenes around the cool epic Japanese stuff to make it look like it's an American show. This fooled generations of children. Um, and what, what eventually happened was they ran out of material from the original thing that they were uh, deriving the series from. So they had to switch it up. They had to switch up the suits. They had to rebrand the series every year. This started with Power Rangers Zeo, which was kind of the fourth series of it, I think. And then following that was Power Rangers Turbo. And they changed it every year after that. And then it got to the point where they started changing the cast every year. And at that point, I was kind of like, okay, I, I think I'm ready to kind of wave goodbye to this as a, as a seven or eight year old. I was like, I'm, I'm not ready to just take on this whole new cast of characters. So, and I feel like a lot of kids kind of left at that stage as well. It, it stopped being this appointment viewing and it was kind of just a thing that a new generation of really little kids would get into every year. Yeah. But I yeah, because I think my youngest got into it with Dino Charge. Was that one of the later ones? Dino, Dino Charge that, that, and then Super Dino Charge. There was Dino Thunder yeah. as well, which was earlier, wasn't it? Dino Thunder. Now, Dino Thunder was one that came out in 2004. And Dino yeah. Thunder was very significant because it was one where they brought back Tommy Oliver. Tommy Oliver is like the, the OP, the GOAT, the greatest Power Ranger of all time, played by the late, great Jason Frank, who just recently passed away. And uh, they, they brought him back as this kind of legacy, kind of like Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond type thing. Like he was the new mentor for the Power Rangers. And that was the series. I, I think I discovered it like two or three years after it came out. But I, I by this point, I was online and stuff. And you could download episodes online through various furious means. And I discovered that show. And I was like, holy shit, Tommy. He's the guy that I remember. Went back, watched that whole series. And then I just ended up going down this deep dive rabbit hole of Power Rangers. And it kind of came back into my life in a big, bad way. And ever since then, I've kind of checked in every once in a while just kind of checking in, just see where's Power Rangers at these days. I never watch any of the new ones, but whenever they bring back any of the OGs, I'm kind of like, ooh, I think that's something I'm going to watch. And like to your point about Roger Ebert, you know, if this was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990, which he also gave a bad review to, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. I, I'd be like, no, Roger Ebert, you've got it wrong, mate. Like, go back. That's, a, that's genuinely a good movie. It stood the test of time. You know, you made a mistake with your review. Go back and watch it again. In the case of Power Rangers, he's kind of completely right. <laughs> like, it isn't like, I love this film dearly, but it's not a good film. It's, it, uh, he's absolutely right. The characters are as one dimensional as you can get. There's no character arc in the Is movie. It, nobody goes on a journey in this film, apart from the uh, literal walking journey. Apart from the literal, and, and that's the thing with Power Rangers as well. Like, a lot of quote unquote character development in Power Rangers. Is just people getting new powers and new zords and, yeah. and new abilities. It's it's very rarely like someone learning a lesson of any kind. Now it does happen, but it's few and far between. Um, suffice to say, 
when Austin St. John, who played Jason, or Jason David Frank, who played Tommy, if either of them say the words, it's morphin time. It just sends a bolt of electricity through my spine. It makes me feel like anything is possible. And it just like it, it just instantly supercharges you and it just hooks you in. And it, it's total nostalgia goggles. I'm absolutely aware of that. But I'm kind of there with you for the for the ride, whatever that ride is. But whenever those words are uttered, I'm I'm, I'm there. My ticket is bought, you know. So, uh, so 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 I suppose that that brings us that that's why I wanted to talk about Power Rangers. I see it because I mean it's thirty years this year of the series starting, and that I mean I was thirteen when it came out. So apart from you know, like all the boys in my sort of year at school having a thing for Kimberly. Um, and therefore watching odd episodes I had no interest in it at all it was just sort of like you know this goofy kid show that, like you say looked like a mashup between Saved by the Bell and... and and again going back to something I said before like I truly believe that you know I could show Batman the animated series to anyone and you know they'll either love it and become a Batman fan or they've watched the very best Batman thing ever and, and it's truly not for them they're not going to yeah. find something else you know Whereas, and, and and that's true of a lot of stuff, like Superman, you know, there's loads of examples like that. But Power Rangers, I genuinely feel like if you weren't there at the time or you didn't discover it as a young child, there, no, <laughs> you're never going to. Yeah, no, it. I mean, that's it. My eldest got into it. I think we were on holiday and my youngest got started watching Dino Charge because, you know, when you're on holiday, you watch whatever's on. And then when he got back, he got DVDs and that. And then my eldest got into it, like going right back to Mike Morphin. Um, and then he seems to know all this stuff. So I watched Linkara did a whole series of history yes. of Power Rangers looking at each Very thing, good. which um, are great videos if anybody wants to get it. And there's a great mythology to Power Rangers running yes, through it. It's really great. It's just a shame it's dumped in this. <laughs> and now, I, before we go any further, if you have any appreciation whatsoever for the mythology of Power Rangers, but you just can't get past the goofiness and the silliness and the corniness of the actual show and the acting and all that sort of stuff. I think I know what you're going to say. You better believe it, baby. The comic book series by Boom Studios, Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a million times better than it has any right to be. It's totally aimed at people like me, people who watched it as kids and imagined it to be this great epic science fiction masterpiece that it wasn't. And, you know, it capitalizes on that. And it's it's way better. It has far more of like kind of an emotional depth. The characters have actual personalities. You know, but it, it's still weirdly, it's still kind of set in the continuity of the show. Like they deviate a little bit, but it's like if you've seen the show, a lot of that stuff is valid. Whereas if it was me, I would have just started from scratch and completely rebooted it. They, they're they're very loyal to a lot of the continuity of the show, which is interesting. But I cannot recommend those comics enough. Like they're yeah. so, so good. And if, if you're a gamer at all, I know you, you are not really a huge gamer. Is that right? No. No, they, they tend a... to piss me off more than help me on one. <laughs> well, th this is a game that will piss you off. I promise you. Not, not that it is like it's an amazing game, but it's very, it's very hard. Um, Power Rangers: Battle for the Grid is kind of a spin-off of the comics more so than the actual shows, and it's super duper. It's really, really yeah. Cool. My oldest has got that. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's like um, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat type thing, but Power Rangers, and it's genuinely one of the best fighting games ever. Like the the. For for a series that's so repetitive and all the characters are kind of the same, every character in that game is completely different and they have a completely different fighting style. And you can get it pretty cheap and it supports cross-play. So if one person is playing on PS4 and someone else is playing on Switch or PC or whatever, they can all play against each other. It's 
kick ass. So definitely check it out if you're into if you're into gaming at all. Yeah. So I mean, so between it was between series two and three, wasn't it? This movie came out because they had to finish shooting season two at the same time as shooting the film. That's right. Um, they went on this weird little bubble that had no real impact on the continuity and did this movie. Yeah. So it's interesting. This movie kind of mirrors the plot of the first handful of episodes of series three, yeah. season three, but it it's kind of in a continuity of its own. It's it's like its own pocket. Universe. Yeah, they sort of remade it, didn't they? And the TV continuity, because it's a different Zordon, isn't it? A different Zordon. Who, Dulcia who... is a character who's unique to the movie in the in the in the show. There's a character called Ninjor who's way sillier, and he's the guy who gives them the new powers. And instead of going to a cool alien-looking planet, they just go to Australia. I, I I think they might call it an alien planet, but it's pretty much just Australia. I'm pretty sure that's um, what they did in the film. To be fair, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's just, it's just a less spectacular part of Australia that they go this, to in the show. The Zordon in this film's weird, though. I made a note that he looks like you know. Have you seen Ghostbusters too? I have not in a couple of years, but I've seen you know when Vigo possesses Ray and turns yes. around, that's what Zordon looks like to me. And then when he's out of the tube and he's dying, he looks a bit like Emperor Palpatine's ball sack. He, yeah, I, I definitely think. Um, well, I, I think he looks like Odo from Star Trek a little bit. Do you see that? Yeah, I can see that too. But the last time, the most recent time watching the film, I mean, the, the film absolutely plagiarizes Star Star Wars left and right, and the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But what I noticed this time is they specifically plagiarize the idea that Zordon speaks with this booming American voice when he's in the tube. But then when he's reduced to his weakened human form, he speaks with this stately English accent, like <laughs> Sebastian Shaw at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. It's the same yeah. idea. It's, I mean, this film opens and it's like 90s to the max. Oh, my goodness gracious. What's the, what's the song at the top? It's, isn't it, is it the Chili Peppers cover of... Oh balls! Can't remember the title of the song now. It's it's super duper nineties though, and it is it's the Chili Peppers. I I, I don't know the specific. It's, it's, song. It reminds me of Pepsi Max adverts from the time. <laughs> I just expect like little old ladies to be sitting around. My Tommy does it to the max. <laughs> and I I think once I learned that no, like teenagers wouldn't be allowed to just skydive on their own unassisted or or at all. Maybe even I think it's something you have to be over eighteen to even do at all. Yeah. Once I, once so. I heard that, like every time I watch this movie, I'm just like, who are they kidding? <laughs> what were they thinking? It's the fact they got Bulk and Skull up there just in their own clothes with just like, you know, a cycling helmet on. And it's like, yeah, that seems legit. Bulk and Skull are one of those things where it's like, I kind of crisscross between are these guys actually funny or do they just make this kind of unwatchable a bit? Like they're so over the top with their goofiness and their kind of slapstick. You're kind of like, and and that music that always plays. Oh, I don't yeah. know if it really plays in the movie, but it no, it's definitely in the TV series. I didn't notice in this. They're the ones. They're the ones. If you watch the Linkara things, they're the only ones that seem to have a genuine journey throughout the series. They do, yeah. Um, I think what you're referring to is like they stay with the show even after some of the originals have left and stuff. That they stay all the way up until Power Rangers in space, and then a little bit beyond that as well, but. Definitely in Power Rangers in space, there's this really epic finale of that. That that's like kind of season six, if you want to if you want to go that way. And there, there's an epic season finale where like the fate of the universe is at stake, and you know Angel Grove has been totally taken over by these evil villains or whatever, and all these people are sitting around this like burning 
trash can or whatever and Bulk and Skull are like don't worry everyone the Power Rangers are going to save us and they're the only people who stick up for the Power Rangers when everyone else is like turned on them and all this and it's this really epic moment of development and then at the end of the the end of the episode they find out who the Power Rangers are for the first time ever and it's really epic but it would have been more epic if more of the original actors had stayed on so by this point it's like two or three reshuffles in so it's it's not as big of an impact like Tommy isn't even there at that stage so you're like ugh but uh, no, that 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 is a kick-ass. It's basically like the Crisis of Infinite Earths of Power Rangers. It's called Countdown to Destruction. The first like ten years of Power Rangers are all on YouTube, by the way, if anyone's interested. And it's all yeah. like officially uploaded by the actual rights holders. It's not one of those weird kind of illegal YouTube situations. You can well, yeah, because they released the first three series, the Mighty Morphin series, on DVD, and then they didn't bother with In Space and Zio and every Turbo, whatever else came after. It's um, one of and those... then they did the later series as they came out. It's it's one of those tricky things. It's 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 similar to the way you know there's so many different versions of Batman and Superman, but there's some that are more popular than others, and those are the ones that get all the merch. And then the, like Mighty Morphin, as I was saying, that was a phenomenon. Like it was the biggest thing in the world. Everyone liked it. it you know, it sold millions and billions of stuff. All the other versions are kind of, you know, there's ones that are objectively better than Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but it doesn't have the same fan base, so they can't sell the same stuff. So, yeah, and, and it, it's a real point of contention for the fans that actually stuck with the show. They're like, "Well, what about this version? What about that version? Why do we keep doing Mighty Morphin stuff?" But the the sad reality is, it's the stuff that sells, you know. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I remember when it came out, there was the massive thing with the film, not so much because '95, as well as that, you had Batman Forever that summer, and there was a yes. lot of hype for Judge Dredd as well because it was the big Stallone movie. Obviously, that one didn't really deliver either but batman forever was the big summer hype thing that was the closest you we've had since batman 89 to that sort of hype again wasn't batman 89 levels but it was close to it i definitely remember a huge amount of hype for batman forever yeah and then there was sort of this little kind of hype for power rangers the movie they re-released shampoo trouble to tie in with the film that was a re-release because i i'm not proud of this but i bought the single in 94 on cassette but I didn't oh buy it when they re-released it for Parents. It's one of those songs that aim perfectly at like 13-year-old kids. If First of all, every time I hear that song, every single time, I think of Power Rangers the movie. It was so instantly associated with this film. I think it was in the trailer. Yeah, and, I think it was you know, used in the trailer. Everywhere you went, you'd hear that song. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. And, you know, it's so catchy. Um, but I recently found out I, that there's a comedian over here, Garrod Farrelly. He plays in the UK a lot. You might have heard of him. He's a super duper shampoo fan. And he found out, he tracked down where the, the, the shampoo had this neon sign of their band logo that they would bring to all their gigs. And he tracked down the whereabouts of this sign. There, there, there's like a hairdresser. So I don't know, is it in, in, in the UK or is it in Ireland? But he tracked down the whereabouts of this um, of this shampoo neon sign. It's in a hairdresser somewhere. And he took a photo of it. It's really, really fascinating stuff. He's really, really into shampoo. Follow him on Facebook and in, on Twitter, uh, Garrod Farley. He's, he's he's really funny. He's a great comedian. Um, but he's a super duper shampoo fan. So there <laughs> it's weird because I can only think of that shampoo song. I know they had at least one more, but I can't tell you what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, this film's weird. <laughs> so many, I mean, you could do a how did I probably did do a how to get this made? How did this get made on this film? But there are some there's, really there's so many weird like inconsistencies and yeah it's like how far away is the control command center 
that you have to morph there or you know teleport there but then they can also casually stroll there i'm sure when do they casually stroll there after they lose their morphing powers they're like we gotta get back to the command center oh yeah i never I've actually it's never like it appears to be in the middle of nowhere it looks right. a bit like where Jabba's palace once stood <laughs> it's kind of yeah 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 that, that that is a real building by the way you can actually go to it the, the, the exterior of the uh command center I love that the inside looks like a 90s arcade with all the tubular colored light in and yeah like one of the big differences between the show and the movie is that you know the the, the movie version of the command center is a proper movie set yeah but I still kind of prefer the one from the show like it it kind of looks a bit better on the show I don't know it's 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 kind of goofy looking in the movie or something I don't know it's but, all right um... but yeah it looks a bit like a Lois and Clark 90s arcade yeah. kind of set you mentioned the how did this get made? Like, I, if I'm not mistaken, there were there was something like six drafts of this script, and somehow they still managed to make it feel like the first draft of the script. Um, and and apparently it was a, just a total disaster. That the whole making of the movie that there was it commits that ultimate symphony is you're finally bringing the Power Rangers to the big screen, and then for the majority of the film, they're not the Power Rangers. They're not the Power Rangers, and it's and, like their first know, fight. They spend a large part of it as themselves, just doing backflips and shit. And then well, they decide to morph briefly. Yeah. Now, what I will say is this. I've always thought that bit at the start is kick ass, but it's not long enough. This time watching it, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually, this is a good chunk. Like this is uh, the whole first act is them as the Power Rangers morphed. There's there's like a good 15 minutes of. Yeah, but they spend action. a lot of it weirdly just wandering around what looks like a disused car park. There's a bit of wandering. There's a bit of wandering, Stuart. And they do weird walks. It's weird. They do. They they walk like, you know, everything is contrived. Like everything involves like thrusting their fist forward or like spinning around. And like there's a bit where Tommy is I I don't know, is it Tommy or someone else is like running to Kimberly and he does a little spin halfway through for no reason. Um I, I, I think it was that, you know, like they were wearing masks that cover their face completely and they, they needed to express in a different way so that they just came up with all these exact yeah. movements. I, people listening at home can't see, but I'm kind of like shaking my shoulders around a bit to emulate the Power Rangers. But It's um, a bit like when you're a kid and you pretend not to be seen. That sort yeah, of walk, isn't it? Yeah, it's... yeah. It's, it's like that kind of exaggerated, like Pink Panther sneaking into a room kind of thing. But uh, there was this weird thing that they they always refer back to that. I don't know, is it the director or someone else had this idea that, oh no, we need to be able to see their faces when they're Power Rangers so that we can see their emotions. So they took away, like, if you ever look at the Power Ranger masks, they have these big visors that are they're black, so like you can't see their eyes or whatever. They took those away. So they were wearing... That's right. These, I've seen pictures of that. And you can see their eyes. And it just looks so terrible. It didn't make any sense. And apparently they filmed, like, they filmed this for, a, like, a couple of weeks before they realized it wasn't working. And yeah, I want to say either Link or Oliver Harper or somebody like that's done a retrospective review of the film. And they had yeah. clips of that. Because they also had some of the photos of Marissa Hargitay on set as um, Dulcia before she was recast. Or Marissa Hargitay was going to be Dulcia? Yeah. Holy shit, that's... Google Marissa Hargitay Power Rangers, the pictures that that come up online. What the heck? I can't wait. My girlfriend, my fiancé, I should say, uh, is a huge SVU fan. And we've been watching SVU recently. And we've been watching all the ones with uh, <laughs> with Superman actors in them because there's quite a few. <laughs> and that's insane. I can't wait to tell her that. That's a great excuse to make her watch Power Rangers the movie again. <laughs> Just be like, that could have been Benson. I think I mentioned to you... Benson, off... Benson's um, Christopher Maloney in it. So. 
I, I think I mentioned to you off mic that, uh, you know, my girlfriend, my, I need to stop saying that. My fiance watches a lot of superhero stuff with me. And a lot of it, like, you know, she finds some enjoyment in really like Lois and Clark. You know, she Smallville has some nostalgic kind of pull there. Like she watch, watches all the new movies with me for the most part. She's watched all the classic Supermans, all the classic Batmans. The only thing where she really draws the line is Superboy, Nightman and Power Rangers. She's just like, no, not doing this. Not watching this. You're on your own. Uh, yeah, I think we messaged each other because I put my wife through a lot of similar things. The only one she sort of enjoys is Superman and Lois, and she liked a lot of the Arrowverse stuff when we were watching it. <laughs> my girl, Saoirse wasn't mad on Superman and Lois initially, but then when season two happened and it was all about kind of cults and people getting indoctrinated into cults and all that, like that, she's really into all that stuff anyway. She listens to a lot of podcasts, true crime podcasts and stuff about cult leaders and all that kind of stuff. So she was fascinated that they did a storyline about that. So I think it really... Well, she should love Smallville then for uh, Chloe, if nothing else. Well, (laughs) part of the fun of rewatching Smallville is like every time Chloe says something where you're kind of like, ah, you know, she's like, (laughs) she'll say something like, oh, I guess you never really know what's going on in someone's life or something. You're like, ah, you know. See, you want that and then cut to that clip of Dean Kane as Clark Kent going, yikes. My question to you, Stuart, Ivan Ooze, is he not the greatest villain of the 1990s? I have written down here that Paul Freeman is too good for this film. He is far too good for this film. And I'll tell you this much. I saw Batman Forever 1995 and I saw Power Rangers the movie on video. I wasn't allowed to go and see it in the cinema because my mum thought it was too violent. And I can tell you this. Ivan Ooze is one of those villains that actually frightened me as a child. More so... (laughs) Than Two Face or possibly even Danny DeVito as the Penguin. <laughs> I think Ivan Ooze was more frightening, and I think it's partly because he has that theme tune as well. Um, you have a funny chance seeing a morphological being lurking around here. A morphological being? Yeah. What the heck is that? Wait a second. Did it look something like this? <laughs> Too kind. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the galactically feared, globally reviled, universally despised. They call me Ivan Ooze. Well, pack your bags, because we're sending you right back where you came from. He, a teenager with a big mouth. Not much has changed in 6,000 years. You obviously don't know who you're dealing with, Mr. Razorhead. Really? Yeah. We're the Power Rangers. Woo! Where's my autograph book? Ah! Power Rangers, huh? So, short on still, using a bunch of kids to do his dirty work. Well, meet my kids! (laughs) Obviously, I watched this as a 43-year-old man, so I didn't didn't find him frightening. (laughs) I was just watching it. I was like, this feels like he was like, what the fuck am I doing this week? Really? Fine. I'm just going to make the most of it. I'm going to ham this shit up. What I will, and like, he possibly saw how all the others were acting was kind of like, yeah, somebody's got to bring it in this. Because no disrespect to any of that cast. Um, I'm sure they got better and things, but it does. No, the acting does make Baywatch look like the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh, he's reading that. He wrote that down. I wrote that down. <laughs> I wrote that down. I've got that written down. That's my note. Look, at I'll tell you this much, right? First of all, just where the cast is concerned, I think the replacement Rangers 
ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think they, they, they put a bit of a dampener on the Power Rangers phenomenon because for anyone who doesn't know, uh, it, Power Rangers is a non-union production. Yeah. So no, nobody's getting paid a whole lot of money to be in this, which is a little bit crazy when you look at all the stunts they're doing. Um, three of the actors, including the, the head honcho, the Red Ranger, Jason, they kind of said, you know what? If this is going to go into a second season, we're going to need to have a look at like our contracts. We're going to need to just figure things out a little bit. Like That's all it was. It wasn't like, oh, we need so much more money. They were just like, let's, let's get a proper contract on the table. And, you know, make sure that we're being compensated for this thing that's like the biggest thing in the world and we're getting paid basically minimum wage for. And Haim Saban uh, basically said, nope. And he just brought in three new characters and they had to come up with this like stupid explanation for why the other three were gone. And there's all the there's a handful of these really weird episodes in season two of Power Rangers where the actors have already left but they haven't explained why they're gone yet. So that they, they only show them in morphed form or they'll only use like stock footage of them. And it's just totally bizarre. Yeah, because it's I red, like yellow and black when, didn't they? Red, red, yellow and black went, yes. Now, I feel like if the original Red Ranger had been in this movie, it would have been even more of an event instead of like Steve Cardenas, bless him, God bless the man. He just doesn't have the same level of charisma. Johnny Young Bosch, I think, does. Um, the, the the other actress who plays the Yellow Ranger, I can't even remember her name. I'm really sorry, but she just doesn't uh, have the Karen Ashley. Karen Aisha, Ashley. wasn't it? Um, there's yeah, there's just no chemistry between them. What, what I'll say, you got it. This. The only ones that seem to have chemistry is obviously Tommy and Kimberly. Bingo. Because there was the the hint of the relationship. I can't remember whether they either developed it or not. Um, even poor um, Billy feels a little bit on the outside of it. Obviously. The stories that came out later about the time he had, yeah, I, on the yeah, series, so and I, I, I think for me, and, and again, nostalgia goggles at the max here. I think Jason David Frank actually has presence, even in this movie. I think you, you look at him, you look at him in the fight scenes, especially when he's not morphed, and you can really see that it's him. Yeah, you're kind of like I could have seen that guy having a career in like straight to video martial arts movies, and I don't know why it didn't happen because as he got older, he stayed in amazing shape. He was still fighting. He was M- he was involved in MMA for a while. And like, yeah, because he, he came like back a, a lot to Power Rangers, didn't he? He's he in a lot of the later series and guest spots and that. And he's been, a, like, you know, he was a real ambassador for Power Rangers. Wasn't one of these people that sort of shied away from his involvement with it. Not at all. And I, I suspect that he came back a lot because, number one, he just genuinely had reverence for the franchise. And number two, I think he probably saw it as, like, if I do another one of these appearances, it's going to set me up for conventions for another yeah. five or six years, you know? Whereas other people who maybe are becoming forgotten as the years go by. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he was setting himself up for conventions and that. Um, and, you know, I met him one time at a convention here and the queue was around the block, you know. Um, it was this weird thing, wasn't it, of the Green Ranger? Obviously, he came oh, in as the Green Ranger. And so then the mystery of who was the White... Was it the mystery of who was the Green Ranger or who was the White Ranger? And then they brought him back as the White Ranger anyway. And A, a bit of both. Like, again, going back... Because he wasn't there on, originally, was he? It was the five of no. them. And then they brought him in partway in season one. Like, it cannot be stressed. You know, like, Power Rangers is one of the most repetitive formats there is in television. Yeah. You know, it every episode is exactly the same. So you have to put yourself... And I remember this. I was there for this when it happened. I remember watching it on GMTV on ITV. That's where I watched Power Rangers. And literally, you know, you'd watch Power Rangers every day because it was on five days a week. And the same plot every day. And, you know, that was fine. It was great. Until one day, the fucking Green Ranger showed up 
fucking up everybody's shit. He breaks into the command center. He breaks up all the, the things. And he uh, there's an episode where he breaks into the Megazord and kicks them all out of the Megazord and destroys all the Zords himself, single-handedly, because uh, he's under an evil spell. And you're just going, oh, my God, what the heck is going on? And there's this new guy, Tommy. He's being controlled by Rita. You're like, this is just unbelievable. Like the whole everything I've known to be true has, has just been torn apart in front of me. And then at the end of the storyline, not only is he defeated, but he's redeemed. He's brought over to the good side. And I remember just watching that as a kid and going, oh, my goodness, anything is if this guy can be redeemed, he can be brought back from the darkness. Now, remember, this is before I ever saw Star Wars, by the way. <laughs> If this guy can be brought back from the darkness, if he can learn his lesson now, admittedly, you know, he was acting under, you know, it, it wasn't his choice to be evil, but you know, forget about that. But if he can become good, then anything is possible. You know, it just, it really made you feel part of it. It made you feel like this was something that was that this was a moment in time, Power Rangers. And I, I still, and watching back those episodes now, they're a trip, man. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend even just Green with Evil is the name. of it. It's a five part arc in Power Rangers. And I always said there's a scene in that like he scrambles Zordon's interdimensional signal or something. So they can't even talk to Zordon. It's like everything about it is just stressful to watch, <laughs> but it's amazing. And then, yeah, so he comes back as the Green Ranger and he's good as the Green Ranger for a while. But then his powers start to fade away because they're running out of Japanese footage. <laughs> so then they made the decision to bring him back as the White Ranger and then he becomes the leader of the Power Rangers and I think it was that point when he became the White Ranger and he became the leader I was just like oh my god I'm in <laughs> like sign me up that's when I became kind of obsessive about Power Rangers for you know a little while it, it was a flash in the pan again this obsession lasted maybe a year but that's when I was kind of like oh my god and then obviously the movie and everything else so I, I think Tommy is the X factor. And, and once he's gone, once he's left, he's no, no longer part of the series. It's like the, the, the heat's gone. The magic isn't there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'd argue that although he's not the greatest actor in the world in this film, he's probably the one with the most charisma out of all of them. 110%. Totally agree. But um, if you're ever, on a side note, if you're ever at Planet Hollywood in Disneyland Paris, I don't know if they fixed it, but they've got in a case up on the wall the Green Ranger's dagger, but they've listed it Seriously? as being... Will you book tickets? We're going to Disneyland Paris. <laughs> but they've listed it as being from the movie Crawl. Oh, what the fuck? Cancel the tickets. <laughs> we were sitting in there. And my what old, the hell is that? My oldest, he must have been about seven, maybe. And he was like, oh, there's the Green Rangers dagger. I was like, oh, cool. And like, no, it says it's from the movie Crawl. That's definitely the Green Rangers dagger. So I had to do a search to find out whether they just, like, you know, replicated a prop. Because I can't remember much about Krull. No, I was going to say, I've never, I know what Krull is. I've never seen it. But yeah, no, it's not. They've just completely mislabeled it. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I think I took a photo of it. I'll have to find it and I'll send it. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's one of those things. Like Disneyland Paris is frequented by, you know, people from Ireland and England. And you think somebody would have caught it? Somebody would have pointed it out. That'd be like having the Batman suit and claiming it's Daredevil. Oh, for God's sake. But yeah, no, do you know it's it's worse. They, they wouldn't make something as obviously wrong as that. It, it'd be like if the Daredevil suit from the 2003 Ben Affleck movie was there, and they said it was a Spider-Man suit. That's what it would yeah. be. You, know. you could see that happening. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But but yeah, um, yeah, this film's odd. I'm not sure. It feels like a contractual obligation. Like they said, they'd do a movie, and then we're like, 
shit, what do we actually do for a movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think if it was me, if I was making a Power Rangers movie, what I would have done was, first of all, I wouldn't I wouldn't set it in the continuity of the show at all. I think they, they should have rebooted it and just, they should have either told the Green Ranger story again, which would be a great kind of entry point, or they should have just done the first episode again. And crucially, I think they should have reduced the amount of Rangers involved. Like six is just too many. Like there's too many characters there for, for a movie. When yeah. there's no kind of preamble, there's no setup, and you're meeting these people effectively for the first time, you know, really four. Like I think that first X Men movie, there's really only four of them on the team, and then there's Rogue, and like even of that four, Storm has nothing to do in that first X Men movie. But like yeah. everyone else is fairly well served. I feel like that would have been the magic touches. Just have four Power Rangers and really dig deep into all of them and give them give at least two of them like a really substantial character arc. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing I disagree with Roger Ebert on, where he says, you know, it dull children's imagination. I think, if anything, it at least get them thinking of what they would have done better. That, that, that's I can't imagine point. many kids came out feeling satisfied. It seems to any positive review we read now is like, this is such a bad movie, I love it, kind of reviews. If I, you go on Letterboxd I, and the like, but... The, the one time I saw this as an actual child when I was five, I definitely remember really liking it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, again, it's difficult because I'm watching it as a 43-year-old man. <laughs> I'm looking at like Dulcie and be like, oh, there was the thing for the dads. And... <laughs> and and further to that, what I would say as well is I didn't actually really care for the Ninja Turtles movie as a child. It's a film that I grew to appreciate when I got older. See, I always Whereas... preferred Secret of the Use because it just felt yeah. a bit more colourful and lively and a bit more like the cartoon. And Secret of the Use is definitely a lot more like Power Rangers the movie yeah. than Ninja Turtles 90 is, you know? Um, I think there is so much colour in this and the stakes feel a bit bigger and the scale of it all feels a bit... The costumes, man, definitely look well, The suits cooler. look great. I will... Yeah, I can't fault the suits. I mean, I don't dislike the command centre and that... 90... It looks like a 90s TV set, weirdly, still. Yeah, no, it does. But, like, but the it, costumes... it looks like they got, like... Lois and Clark budget rather than Power Rangers budget for it. Because <laughs> I can't imagine much of the twenty million went on the cast. No, no. Well, I mean, maybe Paul Freeman got a got a nice little. Yeah, Paul Freeman possibly. I read somewhere that some of the names they wanted for that, like Christopher Lloyd and God. Well, Christopher Lloyd was doing some crap in the nineties. Like he might like my favorite Martian. Yeah. Uh, Dennis the Menace the movie. Well, not to be confused with Dennis the Menace, but Dennis. I the think Menace again the they were just picking any sort of that sort of level name so i think danny devito was in it as well which again nothing against danny devito but he wasn't like you know batman returns aside which was not deemed a success anyway obviously financially it was but not it's the course correction for yeah i i i just i love the idea though that they asked all these famous actors and then they eventually got to oh my god i mean Name a couple of big movies, and someone said, oh, well, I don't know, Indiana Jones. And yeah, somebody was just watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, what this dude's doing now? Yeah, and, and I can just picture him on set, and someone be like, oh, you know, you were in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do a bit of that. Do a bit of that. And he's like, what, what, what does that mean? Either that or they rang Harrison Ford, and he was like, I'm not fucking doing it. Uh, Paul Freeman will probably do it. Power <laughs> what? I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, I, I think Paul Freeman is just wonderful in this film. Like, he's so many... like. He oh yes, he's quotable. the only thing that made me give it a star on that. 
<laughs> he is absolutely quotable in this. Like he has that wonderful exchange with Zordon. And the other thing as well, you mentioned at the start, Power Rangers is an interesting mythology. His dialogue like builds the world that they set up. Like yeah. he mentions this thing to Power Rangers at the start where he's like, Power Rangers, huh? Zordon's still using teenagers. And like that, love that thing of like, you... what's that smell? Teenagers. What's that <laughs> smell? Teenagers. It it leads you to believe that you know, not only has Ivan Ooze been fighting Zordon for centuries, but Zordon has had a team of Power Rangers for centuries, which I yeah. always thought was was cool. Some nice little bit of work. And then, you know, he has that bit later on where he's like, uh, you know, the things I've missed, the Spanish Inquisition. I mean, the, Black the Brady, Brady Bunch reunion. The Brady Bunch reunion. <laughs> and as a kid, that annoyed me because I was like, okay, that's that's just a touch too much silliness. But as an adult, fuck it, man. Brady well, yeah, because in 6,000 years, he would have missed the Brady Bunch as well as the reunion. Yeah, as well as the reunion. <laughs> so it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, did the Brady Bunch alive when you were doing fights with Zordon? And it's like me going, I missed out on Baywatch Nights. <laughs> but. It, I mean, his whole thing is weird as well. The use to get the parents under control to then destroy the city anyway. And Speaking of plagiarism, did because I, I never noticed this before, but somebody pointed it out to me and I cannot unsee it now. What does his plot remind you of? Crazy madman goes on television to talk about his products that you can get. Well, I mean, fuck I'm... everything up. It's kind of Joker from Batman '89, isn't it? It is, yeah. Weird. I had Santa Claus the movie, man. Oh, Santa Claus the movie too. Yeah, <laughs> Dudley Moore, the Puce pops. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. And I love the idea that just all these because you know, all, I love the idea. All these parents came home, saw the use on the counter, went. Mm-hmm. Kids weren't and around, again, just stuck their hands in it. <laughs> T- talking about character arcs and emotional journeys, like that kid is right there. His dad is right there. Perfect, ripe for a fucking 90s kids movie plot about dad's spending too much time at work and he doesn't appreciate his family. Like it right there, ready to go. And they don't even do that. No. And every time I watch this movie, I forget that that isn't in it. Like I always think, oh yeah, well he's, you know, his dad has to learn a lesson. And it, nope. Is that just it's, gets it's the bizarre evil. thing as well as Zordon and Alpha Five are watching news footage of a news reporter saying about yet more parents have gone missing. It's like they're all working at the local construction site. Who's actually for? It's like this is not Lois and Clark investigative journalist standards, is it? They've all gone missing because uh, the Angel Grove is supposed to be California, and all these parents are clearly Australian in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> this is the most Australian movie ever made, and like there's loads of movies that can hide the fact that they're in Australia, but. No man, this this is Australia. This yeah. is like Lex Luthor, Australia. This is like late nineties Jackie Chan movies, like Mister Nice Guy and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this weird thing of her being like, "Yeah, more parents have gone missing." It's like just look down the road at the big construction site that apparently kids can skate through, but if you parachute in, they're going to be really pissed off about it. I just want to say though as well, just you know, keep, keep it a positive. Um, the prop of the the claw holding Ivan Ooze's egg. Kick ass. Where's yeah. that? That's got to be in some planet Hollywood somewhere. That's a really nice prop. There's some nice stuff in this. Like you say, the costumes look great. Mm. They spent money on the set. Whether you like the set or not, they spent money on the set. It yeah. looks like they're actually filming in a proper town. It's not like the Warner Brothers backlot kind of. It's as much as I love Lois and Clark, City, everything though, looks it? like it happens on two streets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. Um, 
Fight choreography, pretty good for a kid. See, movie. I find the fights fairly flat. Again, it's possibly because it's forty-three-year-old man looking at it, and it was a kid's movie, so they potentially could hold back. I thought they think they missed out on the chance because they were doing all the noises anyway, like really embracing a proper seventies kung fu Shaw Brothers kind of fighting style. See, what, what I like about the fights is when they're not morphed, and, and I want to ask you a question about this, right? I'll, I'll preface this by saying, what are the Power Rangers' powers? When they morph, what happens? Because everyone has a different answer for this, so I want to hear what you think. Uh, I honestly don't know. Well, well, what do you think? But based on what you've the limited experiences you've had with the franchise, what do you think their powers actually are? Because it's never really made that clear. They get a suit and they get a weapon. That's yeah. pretty much the only difference I noticed. See, see, that is one school of thought. That is one school of thought that you know that it doesn't really it possibly trans- increased powers. But yeah, see, see, I'm of I'm of the opinion that when they morph, not only do they get suit like suit slash armor and weapons and access to the Zords, I think they also get enhanced strength and speed and maybe there's a little playfulness around the laws of physics as well and what i like about in this movie is when they're fighting unmorphed they're definitely just fighting like normal street level you know martial artists that there's nothing really funky going on i as far as i'm aware i might be wrong but once they become the power rangers it's full-on like looney tunes physics they're able to like hang in the air and do these like spin kicks for ages and you know, that they're kind of able to glide slash fly, sort of, not really. Like, there's a lot more kind of crouching tiger type type stuff. Yeah. Look, it's not crouching tiger. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But, like, I like that they differentiate a little bit between their power level when they're unmorphed versus when they become Power Rangers. Like, they're, they're clearly stronger. They've got all the badass weapons, and they can kind of do big kicks that are even bigger than the ones when they're unmorphed. Yeah, I think... A lot of the fights just seem to be flipping away from stuff, or or flipping towards, stuff or flipping too. towards stuff, and then back flipping away again. <laughs> it's again, though, it's it's fighting in a kids' film kind of thing. So I get mm. the restraint of doing it. Um, the the female Power Rangers seem to need to save them quite a lot. I noticed save them. Yeah, there's like the yellow one ends up in a cave. It's like help me. Oh, and sorry. As in the as in the female ones need to be saved. Need to be saved. Yeah, Correct. it seems to be. I, I mean, in this film, I don't know. In the series, they may have more presence and agency about them, but in this, it felt very much. Well, one of the interesting things about the series was that in the original Japanese footage, the Yellow Ranger was a man. Yes. Yeah. I know. So there, there was never there was never any like damsel in distress type situations for the Yellow Ranger. There definitely was for the Pink Ranger, though. Um, I'm trying to think of any specifics. I, again, you know. I, I'm acting like this big Power Rangers super fan. I'm not. It's it's a series that I kind of vaguely remember from being a kid, and that I sometimes watch late at night on YouTube. Like it's it's not something I'm intimately familiar with, but there definitely is bits where the Pink Ranger is in peril, and you know it's it's it very kind of old sort of throwback. So something that would be deemed problematic today. Yeah, um, because she's clearly one of the most uh, competent of them as well. So it's it's weird to see her. You know, like whereas if anyone Rocky, the the Red Ranger in this, he just seems like a complete dope, and he's what's it? And I mean, I'll, again, I'm looking at on this with like 2023 sensibilities, at something from 1995, where the, uh, I mean, let's face it, most things in the 90s were guilty of that. You look at Tomorrow Never Dies, you've got a kick-ass character like Waylon who still needs to be saved at the end, and yeah, it, it just problem... seemed to be the way they did it. <laughs> I like. Talking about Tomorrow Never Dies, um, because I'm sure you want to talk about anything within this film. <laughs> my, my big problem with Waylon and that is just she's so badass and so kick-ass, 
she's no chemistry with James Bond and they really shouldn't have had a love scene at the end of the movie. Like it would have been nearly better if she just wasn't a love interest at all. No, I was listening to um, oh, the Spy Hard podcast and they had a guest on that and she said about, think of it as like Waylon is like James Bond. So she's just using him. Mm. You know, they've gone through this thing and then she's just using him for a fuck basically. And then interesting. I like that. And, and if you view it like that, it kind of, but I agree. It should have been more like um, Camille in Quantum of Solace. There shouldn't have been any sexual relationship. Or uh, what's her face uh, from No Time to Die? Same, same kind of scenario. The... Yeah. Lashana Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the other 007. I hope it's not That's... controversial to say, love that actress. Loved her performance. They should have left her out of that movie. It was one character too many. They didn't really find anything interesting for her to do. And they could have just focused on the other stuff that was underserved as a result. Speaking of Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really bad one-liners in this. I'm interested like, to hear which ones you like and which ones you don't. Well, no, you probably like, don't like any of them. Which I, I ones wasn't... do you specifically dislike? Uh, the uh, Yo Fossil Head I've Got a Bone to Pick With You was the one I wrote down. Which was... Okay. Yeah... There's I'm afraid lots... I like that one. <laughs> it, it's fine, but it's not it's as bad so... as some of the other ones, which I didn't so even write down. They were coming 90s. so thick and fast. It's so utterly 90s. There's You Ooze, You Lose. That's it. The Billy one. That was the one I was trying to think of. Um, There is... Uh, the, the, do we have a have a nice trip see you next fall? I feel like we do. Possibly, yeah. Um... Something along those lines. I, I Kimberly, my favourite Kimberly line of the movie is... I I think she's just killed one of the Rastafarian ooze men and she just goes, gotta love it. Like that that that's the most nineties thing imagine. It's just pure class. Like Amy Jo Johnson again, people who had actual presence in this movie. Jason David Frank as Tommy, Amy Jo Johnson as Kimberly. They were the money of the movie. And and maybe to a like a slightly lesser extent, Billy David Yost, like you know, tw- twenty four years older than he should have been. But Amy Jo Johnson is an actual actress who has yeah. gone on. She she's directing episodes of Superman and Lois now. Yeah, I saw. And she she's doing well enough for herself that she politely declined to come back for the big. Uh, they they're, they're doing a big anniversary episode of Power Rangers coming up. By the way, I don't know if you heard about this. I know there's meant to be a 30th anniversary documentary, isn't there? Coming to Netflix. It's not a documentary, baby. It's an oh, actual in canon character. You know, playing the characters, thirty minute movie type thing. Interesting. So Johnny Young Bosch is coming back. Steve Cardenas is coming back. The actress who played Cat, who was the second Pink Ranger, is coming back. Karen Ashley, who we discussed earlier on, she's coming back. Zach from like one of the guys who left from the original series we were talking about earlier on, the Black Ranger, he's coming back. And then they're doing a whole tribute to Tui Trang, who played the original Yellow Ranger. Yeah. She died, she died in a car crash. So they're bringing in an actress to play her daughter. So it sounds like it's going to be really, really cool. And Billy's coming back. But Amy Jo Johnston politely declined because wasn't enough money. Just totally fair enough because yeah. sounds like they don't pay these guys anything. No, I wouldn't have um, thought so. <laughs> and she doesn't need to live on the convention circuit, so she just kind of said, "You know what? That's it's fine." But I mean, she will be missed because she's she's cool. I like her. Well, yeah, I'd argue she's next to Tommy, one of the key characters. And as much as everyone kind of follows that up with, "Oh, I had a huge crush on her, and she's so hot," or whatever. Yes, all of that is true. But she also just has presence as an actor. I think she's she's pretty good, and she had a. Bit like of a say, I freely admit the only reason as a thirteen year old that any of me and my friends watched any of the episodes was because Kimberly was <laughs> plastered over all the magazines and newspapers. 
in, in that way that you you know you have to sexualize somebody in a children's tv program a lot <laughs> and I, I think she has come out and said I, I didn't like the way i was she feels like she was sexualized now i don't i don't really know what she's talking about at least in terms of the show like you know you see her doing gymnastics sometimes like that they, they don't leer over her or anything like that I, I, oh know, no it's not michael bay uh, shots yeah. um like i say i think uh Dulcia was definitely dressed for the dads. Dulcia was 100% sexualized in this movie. Yeah. No question. No, no um, doubt about it. <laughs> as, as much as they're like, you know, no, 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 we're based on an Amazonian barbarian woman. It's like, did you? Did you really? Did you? All right. <laughs> and if anyone listening isn't familiar with uh, the, this film or the series, Google Dulcia Power Rangers movie and then Google Ninjor Power Rangers and tell me which one you'd prefer to watch. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> And then Google Marissa Hargate. Don't see it. Man, now, the more I hear about that, and I know the director has said, oh, well, it wasn't really working out or whatever. I, I wonder what the actual truth of that is. I can imagine. I've got a feeling that Mariska Argata, the Dulcia that's in the film was cast. I might be getting this wrong. She was cast, then had to drop out. So they brought in Mariska Hargate and it wasn't working out. And then she became available again. Yes. Was there a pregnancy in the mix there somewhere, or am I just mixing I'm not 100% sure. You lock me into your stuffy little hyperlock chamber and tossed me away in the depths like yesterday's trash. You any idea what it's like to be locked up in a rotten egg for 6,000 years? It's boring. Not to mention I've had a Charlie horse since the Renaissance. You won't get away with this, ooze. You robbed me of my prime. I was the supreme ruler of the most foul empire in the universe. And now it's time to pay the piper. All the things that I have missed, the Black Plague, the Spanish Inquisition, the Brady Bunch reunion. I do like that there's a nice yeah. little Superman moment in it where Tommy flies his Zord down to cover the tram tracks. Did I notice that? Do you know what other Superman moment? Talking about plagiarism. The bit where Zordon, um, they discovered Zordon much earlier in the movie and Ivan has destroyed the command center or whatever and Zordon is uh, sitting at the base of the destroyed cube and there's full-on like Kryptonian crystals all yeah. around him. That They 100% swipe that. <laughs> like There's so much swiping going on. But yeah, definitely the train track thing, I noticed that. We're leaving out the giant mastodon in the room here, Stuart, which is <laughs> the tragic computer-generated imagery in this film. Yeah, oh, I made a note of, I wonder gracious. if that even looked impressive in 1995. It's the only part of the film where I just can't, like, it's the only thing I truly don't enjoy about the film, for, for all its flaws, for all its crimes. Like, my goodness gracious, they should have just done what the TV show did so well, which is put a guy in a fucking suit. I've got that written down. Call it's, him a robot. The whole Zords battle is missing that campy, kaiju-inspired TV series fight. Where you suddenly I, they're like towering over this massive city that you never see on ground floor level, but yeah. What what I will say is this: what I do appreciate that this movie at least tries to do is it shows the Zords doing stuff before they combine. Yeah, 
I do like that they at least tried to do that. And I feel like the place for the CGI was there. But once the Zord becomes the Megazord, like once they all combine together and they become the guy, that's when it needs to be a guy in a suit and just, just have him fighting. It know. looks and like... And they do that in the second movie. In Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, they kind of went, do you know what? The CGI didn't work. Let's just put a guy in a suit and do it that way and film it like a movie. And it looks a million times better. And it's the only thing about Turbo, the Power Rangers movie, that is better than the first movie. If you think this movie is bad, baby. Yeah, no. Oh, my goodness gracious. Do now, even my eldest don't like, even think don't, about don't watching watch Turbo. Don't watch Turbo. <laughs> At but, least this one has a soundtrack. It has a look. It has a, It feels like a movie. Turbo just, oh, it's so dreadful. It's so it, it bad. Looks, it looks like the CGI guy did the animatic. And they were like, oh, cool, you're done then. We'll just take that. And he was like, no, 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 I need to like render it and finish it properly and that. Like, no, no, that'll do. It's like when you look at like animatics for like a Shrek or Incredibles yeah. or one of the CGI animated movies, when it's not finished, it's just a rough thing. That's what it looks like. I mean, it's 95, so. It... Do, you, do you know what the most tragic thing is, though? Anyone listening to this right now, this episode of And Why Not, if you're listening to this episode right now, do me this big favor. Go to www.youtube.com and type in Ninja Megazord first appearance. And if you look at that Japanese footage of that Ninja Megazord, which shows up in season three of the show in the traditional way of a guy wearing a suit. Oh my God, it's so badass. And there's the, like the, all the crazy Japanese special effects they do. Like there's like when he punches with his left fist, it cuts to like an image of a gorilla going, ah. And then when he punches with his right fist, it cuts to an image of a wolf going, Rawr! and it's <laughs> incredible. It's so, imagine seeing that in a movie screen; it would have been amazing. And instead, they just did this ridiculous rubbish CGI. What the that's heck? Were they that's thinking? the weird thing is that they got a movie and didn't put that movie effort into the right places. Mm. I mean, a, a better filmmaker, film company would have been like, "No, the CGI isn't there. Let's just do what we do, but do it better." Yeah, you know, we got we got more time to perfect it. We can, it doesn't have to look like just shoeboxes with buildings painted on them and an actor in a suit stomping around it. Yeah, and like if anything, the problem with those things you've described, like the the TV version, it it's all flood lit. Like so, it just everything is just lit. Like there's giant searchlights on them, so you can see all the flaws and all the imperfections. The benefit of a movie is you can take your time, you can finesse the lighting, you can add in smoke, you can do all these different bits and pieces to make it look much more effective. They could have just done all of that and it would have looked amazing. And it, it kind of does look pretty good in the second one. And yeah. like, you know, if you watch Godzilla movies from around the same time, not not the Matthew Broderick one, actual Japanese Godzilla movies from kind of the late 80s, early 90s, they look kick ass. They look yeah. really, really good. And that would have been amazing to see, you know? That's what, yeah, like you say, you need the guy in the suit. I do like that the Nian uses Zord in the balls is what works. <laughs> Again, it's the most 90s. 1995 <laughs> way to kill a villain. I love it. And then just in case you weren't feeling the 90s, they follow up with Snaps the Power Play. <laughs> Incredible stuff. So, so good. <laughs> it's, I feel like yeah. you're starting to like this movie, Stuart. I'm not going to lie. I, I like talking about this movie. I'm not sure I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it is a weird movie. I get, you know, it, for the people it worked for, that's awesome. I love that people got a cinematic thrill out of it as a kid or whatever. I just, there's so much more they could have done, so much yeah. better as a film and with the mythology of yeah. Paris. I mean, I don't know what the 2017 film's like, but I can't imagine it could be any worse. 
Have you always that was my very next question. Have you seen the 2017 movie? I haven't, no. Again, my eldest has got it. I've just never got around to watching it. I've it seen the is... trailer. <laughs> and I've seen the toys. Yeah, like it is very interesting. It's definitely worth a watch. And like for years, as I'm sure it was the case for many people, I was like, I wish they'd like the the fatal flaw of Power Rangers is that it has always remained aimed squarely at very, very young kids. Hmm. And I always was like, I wish they do a version that was just like slightly had more of an emotional, you know, range to it. And, you know, the acting was just a little bit richer and the dialogue was a bit sharper. And they really capitalized on that mythology. And they kind of, it, you know, it would be great to see them sort of try and explain around the whole problem of, well, if they have Megazords, why don't they just use them first instead of waiting for the guy to get big, you know? Um, and the 2017 movie, to its credit, like, they definitely try to give it more of an emotional range and they, they kind of go for a bit of a breakfast club kind of vibe with it. And they're, they're all very troubled teens. They're not just these squeaky clean guys like the TV show. The problem is exactly like this movie. They spend way too long not being Power Rangers. Yeah. And it's too little too late when they finally do, you know? I, I've got to admit, I've, although I've not seen the film from an aesthetic point of view, I didn't like the suits. I didn't like Zordon. No. I didn't like Alpha 5. I didn't like what they did to Rita Repulsa. Yeah, they, they lean it's like Michael Bay's Transformers. It's like, why overcomplicate the designs? The designs were kind of beautiful in their simplicity. 100%. The, and if like, anything, I'd say the 95 movie perfected those suits. Yeah, and I think that's something that's so great about the comics is that they, they realized that a big part of what people liked was the color and the simplicity and the goofy technology and all that. And when you try to overcomplicate that and overthink it, you're missing some of the magic. And especially... Yeah. Like one of the most unforgivable things about the 2017 movie is just the Zords and the Megazord just look horrendous. They just look so ugly and bad. And, yeah. And not even in the way that the Transformers movies do. It's just, it. imagine if they'd done a big boxy, crazy looking 1995 looking thing. It would it would have just been amazing, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, you've only got to look at, I think they realized it with the power ring, at the uh, Transformers movies when you look at Bumblebee, mm. where they're like, we're just going to, you know, still keep the modernish look, but streamline it back down to that nicer, boxier. Optimus Prime looks great in that film. Yeah. Now, the fear with Bumblebee, though, is it didn't make a whole ton of money. No, which is, I think, seems... why we're getting the beast, whatever it is now. And it feels like they're kind of backtracking with that. And the fear is that that might not be very good. I don't know. The trouble is, is that Bumblebee is like the best Transformers movie. 100%. I'd argue out of all of them, but because it follows such dirge, people just couldn't be asked with it anymore. People were fed up, yeah. And I, I, I would honestly wonder: is this one going to make any money? Like, who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, uh, I don't know. Like I say, I, Bumblebee actually got me excited for being. It still had its couple of faults, like you know, oh, there's a character I love. Oh no, they killed him. Which it seemed to be a very Michael Bay thing. Be like, you know, you love this character, ripped in half. <laughs> it's like you thought the. Uh, 80s animated movie was brutal for killing characters you loved. <laughs> at least they got a moment to shine. Speaking of movies that aren't good unless you were there at the time. I was there at the time. I was in the cinema. That is an incomprehensible, long-ass boring movie, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've no time for it. No, I can understand that. I mean, I, I was prime age for that. Much like you were prime age for this, I was yeah. prime age for that. I, I was heartbroken. One of those traumatized kids. That and Action Force the movie. Again, or G.I. Action. Joe the movie as it is now. Action Force? Oh, that's what they called it in over... It, yeah, it was Action Force in the 80s and now they've finally realized that we can cope with G.I. Joe. Yeah. 
So instead of Yojo, they yelled full force. Full force. Oh, Which, there was a whole different thing. Yeah. And what was that about? Because there was a toy line called G.I. Joe here already or something, was there? I honestly don't know what it was. I don't know whether they just didn't think we'd understand what a G.I. Joe is. We we understand G.I. Blues, but we don't understand G.I. Joes. I'm not sure what the thing was, but yeah, or whether it was to tie in with the Action Man line. Because obviously mm. G.I. Joe was what Action Man was in America. We had him as Action Man. I don't know whether it was to tie in with that, so sort of that brand recognition. Maybe it was that the BBFC deemed the word infantry to be too violent, so they demanded Possibly. that it be changed. That's why we have <laughs> like... to have Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just so glad. all I'm these so dudes glad. running around shouting full force. I'm so glad that the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles intro can be found on YouTube in reasonably good quality, because that's one of those things that could have just been forgotten to, yeah. to the, you know, Whereas the, that is the version that I still hear in my head, in my head, like that, that. That's the version we got in Ireland as well. Ireland is not part of the UK, ladies and gentlemen, but we do get a lot of your, you know, kind of cultural imports. Yeah. One of them being Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And as a kid, the way you differentiated the cartoon and the movie was the movie was the Ninja Turtles and the, the cartoon was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, you know? Yeah. Mike Langer wasn't supposed to have nunchucks, was he? Yeah. that's Because nunchucks like... were illegal. I remember him having nunchucks though as a kid. Like it's not, and I, like I didn't see the movie a bunch of times. I saw the cartoon like every other day, but like yeah. I always remember him having. Maybe it's because the toy did come with nunchucks. I think, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was the whole thing with the secret of the use. It's like we don't want to see him using their weapons, so we'll see him pick up everyday household objects and use those as weapons instead. Because kids can't get hold of nunchucks, but we can easily get like two things that look like nunchucks strung together and beat the shit out of each other with that. Like yo-yos and stuff, yeah. It, oh, it was that weird mentality of like, yeah, use some sausages strung together as a weapon. I think I'm gonna watch Ninja Turtles tonight. <laughs> um side note, by the way, we've talked a lot about Ninja Turtles tonight. We've talked an incredibly great deal amount of time about Power Rangers. There is a comic series coming out at this moment in time where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers not only cross over, but the turtles themselves become Power Rangers. That's the figures I've got. You've got the figures already. How, yeah. like, they the did reason? that a couple of years ago. Oh, right. Well, well, I've, got, I've got the comic. So, yeah, they're possibly doing it again. Oh, they're, maybe they're doing it again. That's what it is. Yeah, because Ryan Pard is talking about it a lot on Twitter. It looks really, really good. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. It yeah. Good. Yeah, the first one was really good. Even for somebody like myself with a passing knowledge of Power Rangers. Actually, on the topic of really good Power Rangers crossovers, uh, Power Rangers Justice League also is pretty good. Yes, it is. Yeah, my um, eldest has got that. And, uh, you know, I will always give a, a mention to a comic that features Dublin, Ireland. And the, the, there is a scene in that where like an octopus knocks over the spire. So uh, that's pretty cool. So definitely check that out as well. And I, I think one of the artists in that as well may have, I think Stephen Byrne was the penciler in that. So he's Irish as well. So maybe that's why the spire snuck in. But that, that that's a cool series. And if I remember correctly, some of the Justice League do become Power Rangers in that, and some of the Power Rangers become costumed superheroes. Which is yeah, I think that's the prerequisite for doing it, isn't it? That the characters they're crossing on with over with have to become Power Rangers. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, no, I think that you know there is a wider mythology out there. The films, like I say, because it exists out of curiosity, it is just a weird little curio now. It's it's non-essential. It's no, and it's not even the high watermark of the series itself. I feel which like, it should have been. It should have you know, been yeah. like you know, this, and then 
you look at the TV series next and be like, well, that's kind of goofy, really, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I feel like there are definitely episodes and storylines. I, I like the Green with Evil storyline, I think is probably the high watermark of Mighty Morphin. And then I think may, maybe the White Light stuff. And then there's there's bits and pieces in that that are worth watching. I think if you are nostalgic for Power Rangers at all, what I would recommend you do, first of all, obviously read the comics. They're amazing. Second thing I would say is any of the anniversary episodes, check them out. There was one, the ultimate anniversary episode of Power it's Rangers. all the Green Rangers. <laughs> No, no, well, close. Oh, well, there was Red Rangers, wasn't it? Forever Red, right? Yeah. It's on YouTube, free of charge, on the official Power Rangers YouTube channel. Forever Red, all the Red Rangers up until that point team up together, and it is the first. It's it's basically the Avengers before the Avengers was a thing. Tommy's there, Jason's there, Rocky doesn't show up because he sucks. Um, but all all the other Red Rangers are there, and they just fight a big old bad guy on the moon, and it's kick ass. And it's only ha- it's like twenty three minutes, and they just squeeze all these characters in so effectively. It's such a love letter to the series at that point. That that really is the Power Rangers movie that we should yeah. add. And then I'm trying to think what other ones. Uh, Countdown Destruction definitely watch that. That's kick ass. Um, and then some of the more recent kind of reunion ones as well, where Tommy comes back, they're okay. Uh, Super Mega Force. It, it's kind of implied that it's every Power Ranger ever when it's really just Tommy and a bunch of randomers from various years and then just a load of extras wearing the other costumes. Um, and then there's one Ninja Steel where Tommy turns into every every form that he has had up until that point using a Master Morpher, which I also have. There <laughs> uh, we go. Yeah, nice. That's actually one that I kind of custom made myself because i'm that much of a loser uh those are good and then obviously this upcoming thing that's coming out i'm i'm really excited to see what that turns out to be that's going to be on netflix in april i believe april yeah it's yeah yeah, it's an interesting i this just it feels like they could have done so much more with this film maybe even bring in a previous rangers team like you know some weird time shenanigans or something God, that the implication be... that there's been thousands of years worth of Power Rangers. Oh, Stuart, that's a really good idea. I'd like to see that. Just and like and like some of them are warped and like I I'm fascinated by like when when you really get down to it, the whole concept of Power Rangers is kind of there's something a little bit off about it. Like Zordon is this ancient wizard who he enlists a bunch of teenagers to be soldiers. Like something's not right there, and yeah. I, I feel like it 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 would be really great to do a series that's a little bit darker, where they kind of examine, you know, what kind of man is Zordon? Like yeah. who the fuck does that? And you know, as you say, that that'd be amazing. You know, bring in a previous generation of Power Rangers, and they're like, you know, we 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 got to kill this guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then it's up to the current generation to stop them. But then they're like, well, you know, maybe they have a point. Like great superhero fodder there that you could make a really cool story of. Yeah, I mean, that, kind of... or just exploring where the power comes from. Maybe it's like the Force, where all fallen Power Rangers become part of it. You could have had a Rise of Skywalker-style ending where they're all behind them. Just anything. So, that... Are you familiar with the Morphin Grid, Stuart? Uh, it rings a bell, actually. The Morphin Grid is basically the Force in Power Rangers. It it is, but but it's kind of like the Speed Force as well, in that it it is a literal plane of existence, but it is also right. You know that the energy field from which all Power Rangers derive their power. And like every different kind of variant of power exists on the Morphin grid. And <laughs> it's never entirely clear what it is, but it is, yeah, like again, ripe for storytelling. Like, what yeah. the fuck is the Morphin grid? 
All right. And, and sorry, uh, morphin, by the way, Stuart, just, just, just in case you're wondering, there's no G in morphin. It's morphin, M-O-R-P-H-I-N. And, and no apostrophe or anything. To... No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. And, and in certain in certain territories, uh, they had to swap out the word morphin because it sounded too much like morphine, which they definitely didn't want any kids taken. Mighty morphine Power Rangers, though, would have been. That's that's the dark movie you want. I think you're going to want to check out a bit of Mighty Morphine Power Rangers after uh, <laughs> suffering through this movie. It's weird, though. This movie made, a, you know, 66 million on a 20 million budget or more than 66 million, nearly 66 and a half, not far off it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just you the... would you would have thought they'd have pushed for. I know, obviously, Turbo came eventually. You just thought they'd have rode that way. Perhaps they saw what happened with Ninja Turtles and thought, no, we'll take the win. And it's hard to say, really. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I know this had a very troubled production. Mm. Um, there there was a lot of drafts of the scripts written, and then uh, obviously the actors were really overworked, and they were trying to. They were yeah, because really they were doing the series two as well at the same time, weren't they? Yeah. So so maybe, but again, I just think that the, the ultimate, the perfect solution was just different cast reboot the whole thing you know just do a movie version of power rangers and yeah. a tv but i suppose in the 90s that that didn't really you know movies or tv shows became movies back then were star trek yeah where you kept the cast and you know that you spun it off from the thing and it was the same people it was the same continuity so maybe that's what they had in mind i'm not sure but like if it was me i would have just started the whole thing fresh now, now that being said i'm grateful that jason david frank is in this movie. Maybe you keep him and you recast some of the others, or, or you keep him and Kimberly and you recast everybody else. I don't know. Or keep David Yost. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I think... Yeah, they... I think if you're going to keep David Yost, you've got to give him something to do. This is I, the I, problem. It's none of them have something to do. The thing, at least with the Star Trek movies, is that they do feel cinematic, maybe not Insurrection. Um, I would argue that in the TNG movies, nobody has anything to do except Patrick Stewart and, and Brent Spiner. Yeah, quite possibly. They're the two, and everybody else is standing around going, what are we doing? Yeah, in first contact, they're literally dumped on a planet or on Earth. And, but and and first contact is a little bit fun because some of them go down and get drunk. And... Yeah, I do like first contact. It is the action movie of the Star Trek films, but I I do have a soft spot for it. it is the film that made me fall in love with Star Trek movies again Whereas and rediscover the, how good the original series ones were. The, the original series, you have Kirk, Spock, and Bones. It's just this invulnerable triumvirate of characters who feed off each other and constantly are saying and doing interesting things. And when they're in each other's company, it's fucking dynamite, even if the movie is terrible. And then you have Scotty as comic relief. And then at least the other characters, they have nothing to do, but they're kind of just comfort food background characters. And that's they they tend funny. to get little moments to shine, at least. Nobody in this film really felt like it got they got yeah. a moment to shine. There was no yeah, bit yeah. where it's like Billy figuring shit out or... I mean, he kind of does with Comet, but... You needed to have some kind of a either whether it's a love triangle or just something to give and then and then just have Rocky and Adam be the comic relief. Like, you know, give Tommy, Kimberly, and Billy some kind of a character arc, and then the other two are just there to make a couple of yucks. Like that, that would have been it's, nice. Yeah, you either need to actually do a movie or you need to take the TV series and step it up. Whereas I think mm. they thought they were stepping it up, but they just did it in all the wrong areas. See, I think nostalgia is clouding my judgment here, but I think they did step up the at least in terms of the fight choreography, the suits, and at least the staging of the Zord sequence. They did more with it. Even oh yeah, it I think cool. I think it doesn't look good, but the stuff they do with the Zords is quite good. 
I just, although it they, it does seem to, it does get a bit repetitive with the you know go in have your moment, a couple of explosions go off in your cockpit, you pull out the next one goes in. Yeah, um, I, and it's a problem across the board of Power Rangers that like every time someone speaks, the other five also have to speak. <laughs> it's like they'll re- so someone will react to something, oh, and then they'll cut to someone else and they go, oh. And they'll do all six, and you're like, do we do we need everyone to say something about this? You know? Yeah. Like, pick a leader, pick a lane. And I think part of it was just, and look, we'll wrap up soon, but I think part of it was just that the whole commercial situation with Power Rangers was such that every kid had a favorite. And yeah. if you if you exaggerate one and undermine the others, then you're potentially doing yourself out of a you know a lucrative merchandising thing and and you're going to end up with a load of black rangers and a load of pink rangers left on the shelves in the toy shop when what they really wanted they they wanted every ranger to be as popular as the others because you need to do a movie like that as well to sell more toys like bring out new toys to go in other than doing movie specific suits which in the 90s probably went a lot different anyway there wasn't even a lot of merchandising and point. I feel like I, if I remember correctly, that there was definitely movie-specific merchandise, and I think it was just that the figures were shinier than the ones. Yeah, didn't they have like a metallic look? And then they definitely, they eventually did that in the show as well. That there was like metallic armor, and they were just slightly shinier. But that's what that that that's my prevailing memory of the movie-centric merchandise. But was that it was shinier? It it had kind of a glossy look. Because that's um, kind of what they did later on with the series, wasn't it? Is that you'd have Dino Thunder and then Super Dino Thunder. Oh, so it's basically well, from one series and then you could rebrand the toys and alter them slightly and make them super. So what happened there, Stuart, was uh, the first 10 seasons of Power Rangers were owned by Saban, Haim Saban, that weird yeah. man from Israel. Then it went to Disney, didn't it? Then it went to Disney. When it eventually came back to Saban, they uh, w- whatever deal they struck with, I think it was Nickelodeon, was that uh, they were only getting 22 episodes per season, whereas previously they were getting like 50 episodes. So th- th- the way they did it from then on was that, as you say, that they would have Dino Charge for 22 episodes and then they'd come back with Super Dino Charge the following year to use up the remaining Japanese footage and they get another 22 episodes out of that. So th- that's kind of how they, they, they've only been, they've been doing shorter seasons ever since. But this year, for the first time ever, uh, the, the the series is called Cosmic Fury, and it is going for the first time since Mighty Morphin. It is going to be the third season, the third consecutive season of a Power Rangers show to follow the same cast of characters, mm. and it's the first time, I think, ever that the suits are going to be wholly American footage. Like they were designed by American designers and. The fight scenes where they're wearing the suits are going to be wholly American and not Japanese at all. And yeah. the, only Japan- the only Japanese stuff they're using is the Zord footage. Everything else is American, which is very interesting. I do love that one of the Disney series, the footage they shot, the because it's set in like the future or something, and the SPD. police officers are wearing Starship Troopers uniforms. Are they? Yeah. Didn't know that. That's gas. <laughs> it's great. That's I actually I mentioned Forever Red earlier on. If you watch Forever Red, if anyone remembers Big Bad Beetleborgs, do you remember Big Bad Beetleborgs? Yes, I do. It, it, it was another Saban situation. It was another thing where they took Japanese footage. Anyway, uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs had kind of come and gone and faded away and into nothingness, but Power Rangers lived on. 
and they they reused some big bad Beetleborg suits in uh, in Forever Red, and I think there might have been a Cayman Rider thing in there as well. There, there was a show called Masked Rider. Do you remember that one? Yes, that was I don't that think one. I ever watched it, but I remember it being out. That was Saban's attempt at bringing Kamen Rider, which is this absolutely iconic, like Mickey Mouse level popularity in Japan thing. They tried to bring that over to America. They called it Masked Rider and they made this goofy family sitcom. But then he becomes this like insect superhero guy. It lasted like a season and a half, I think. And then it just died away. I think they reused some of those suits in Forever Out as well. So, yeah, I mean. They were throwing out. I mean, they even did their own fucking Ninja Turtles series, didn't they? The the next mutation, which crossed over with Power Rangers. I'm so glad I get to mention this. Mystic Knights of Tiernanog. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that one? Yes, that was filmed in my hometown, Republic of Ireland, baby. It was filmed right here because we have no unions, so it's totally fine. You can just exploit the the film production crews, full of Irish actors. It was unique in the whole Power Rangers pantheon in that everything they filmed was entirely their own. There was no Japanese stuff at all, but it was the same idea. People morphing into armored suits or whatever. Legend has it, and I, I know some of my work colleagues have told me this because they worked on Mystic Knights of Tiernan Og back in the day. Overnight, the series was cancelled. Something happened. There was a deal with McDonald's, a merchandising deal that fell through, and all the financing of the show just dropped, just just you know disappeared into the ether so there was all these people left going oh my god we booked all the studio time we have all these crews booked what are we going to do this is going to be a huge waste of money otherwise so they rang they got patrick bergen on the blower and they said patrick bergen how do you feel about playing saint patrick in a tv movie that will sell to america and he said sign me up baby and that weekend they filmed a movie called the legend of saint patrick using the sets and the costumes from Mystic Knights of Tiernan Oak. You can look it up on YouTube, The Legend of St. Patrick. I remember this. I, I like the idea that Patrick Bergen was like, I'm finally getting the call for the tapping sequel. It's like, <laughs> oh no, all right, fair enough, that instead. <laughs> My, I, I did a course, a couple of, like a series production course a couple of years ago, and the course head, uh, great, good friend, good colleague of mine, he was working in the Mystic Knights of Tiernan Og uh, production office at the time. And he told me this story. I was like, that's the coolest thing. It's the it's the, the weirdest and most fitting kind of Power Rangers-esque story I've ever heard. Brilliant. It's it's bizarre. Like I say, they were trying everything then. Sort of quickly, I mean, we kind of, I think, pretty much touched on it. But obviously, the series continued. The movie continuity didn't continue. Would no. you like to have seen sequels? Um. I would have liked to have seen a sequel in the vein of this film, yes. I think the sequel they made was explicitly set in the continuity of the show. Yeah. As opposed to this. And it's, for me, I've less nostalgia. I never saw that as a kid. I only discovered it, like, in my late teens. And it's just a total, total mess. It's unwatchable. (laughs) That second movie is unwatchable. I think it's so bad it comes packaged with the first Rangers movie now. <laughs> that's that's the that's the box set I own. Yeah, I own both of them in one. And like the, the first movie, like it has the kick-ass soundtrack, it has the costumes, like you can see. We just got they chili were... peppers on that soundtrack, if it's nothing chili else. Peppers, like there's 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 at least there's at least like a flashy presentation to that first movie that you can kind of go, Oh, I could they were kind of trying something here. Second movie is just the show writ large and nothing really works and it's just really bad it would it would have been cool to see something in the vein of the first movie yeah definitely yeah 
I think, yeah, if they'd have sort of stepped away and actually taken some time with it, they could have done something interesting with the sequel. Yep, yep. And and again, my, my number one wish if I could go back in time is just deviate entirely from the show and do something do do something that's wholly unique to the movie verse. Yeah, would be the way to do it. Well, yeah, if you're going to do it in your own bubble continuity, then just embrace it. I think they the should have embraced the, the goofiness of the TV series. To be honest, I think they should have played that strength, done it on a movie scale, but just been kind of like, you know, this is what we do, but we'll do it better. Yeah, it's so what the I fans of the TV here. series were useful used to. So. I, I feel like they did that. I think the crucial crime of this film is that it just doesn't have any interesting emotional journeys in it. Whereas the Turtles movie did. Yeah. I think that, that's why the Turtles movie is so watchable and so... I think I say, the Turtles movie at least had the benefit of the Eastman and Laird comic to pull yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very close to that first kind of initial arc of the Eastman and Laird comic. Yeah, arc. whereas this had nothing but the TV series and any show Bibles they were going from. But I, I think, like... For me, what's so fascinating about this is Power Rangers is such a strange bastard creation as it is. And like they're they're drawn from Japanese footage and all that. This is the first completely American Power Rangers production they made where like the suits were designed by America, you know. Well, they drew from the Japanese stuff, but they were made and constructed in America to fit an American aesthetic and to kind of evoke fantasy slash superhero slash science fiction movies um it's it's a really interesting if failed attempt to do all of that yeah and that's that's why i love this movie and i just think ivan ooze genuinely like i want to see superman go up against ivan ooze i want to see <laughs> the justice league try and take him down i think he's one of the most underrated movie kind of fantasy villains uh can you imagine him and gene hackman's like luther that smell <laughs> australia <laughs> I don't know. Just another crazy land plot. <laughs> Hi. Lex Luthor here. But I'd argue you'd probably have more chance of getting Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor than Kevin Spacey's. So. I, Lex Luthor, greatest criminal mind of the modern era, have devised a way to destroy the Power Rangers. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Awesome. I think we've, uh, yeah, arguably talked about this movie more than it <laughs> Don't you want to hear about the intricacies of Power Rangers Zeo, Power Rangers Turbo, Power Rangers in Space, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy, Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue? No, I recommend if anybody does want to, though, to check out the link at our video. <laughs> One of them stabbed his roommate in the chest and went to prison. Do you remember that? No. Insane. I remember the original um, Yellow Ranger being killed in the car crash. That was I remember tragic. that being in the news, but beyond that, my... And obviously I remember, because it only happened last year, um... Jason David Frank dying. May he rest in peace. Yeah, yes. very, very, very sad what happened there. And I, I think it was something he'd been grappling with for a long time. When I met him that time, he showed a short film about his kind of struggles with mental health. And yeah, so it was it was something that he was kind of dealing with for a long time. So yeah, it's it's very, very sad what happened. His he he has been, he would he had been working on this thing called Legend of the White Dragon. Did you hear about this? Uh, I, yeah, I saw something of it. Again, I don't know much about him beyond. I'm yeah. a fan of anybody that's a fan of a thing they did and embraces yeah. it, kind of thing. And yeah. I think well, he's been involved in a lot of Power Rangers stuff since. I think he even might have had a hand in some of the stories for the comics, not as a yes. writer, but possibly plots and that as, sort as of thing. Con- there's a there's a comic called uh, Power Rangers Soul of the Dragon, which kind of meets Tommy much later in life, 
and it's kind of his last adventure as a Power Ranger. And he has his Master Morpher, which I have here. Um, and it's it's kind of damaged. And the whole thing is he can only morph into each of his forms one last time for one last adventure. And you see him reconnect with his son. And it, it, it it's an interesting little comic. I think, I think it could have been better, but it's well worth the read. He was a consultant on that. But he was also working on this thing called Legend of the White Dragon, which has nothing to do with Power Rangers, but is definitely inspired by it. Um, and I, I think it's made by the guy, the Batons of Sun, if you know them. They, they make all those cool little fan movies. Maybe, um, yeah. They made Batman City of Scars, and they make a lot of those superhero beatdown things where it's like, what if Darth Vader fought Batman and all that sort of stuff like that? They make those, which which are admittedly pretty good. They're nice, watchable little things. They've done a lot of stuff with him over the years. Like they did um, the Green Ranger versus Ryu, I think. And then they did the White Ranger versus Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, which is really, really good. It's great fun. Awesome. And they, they, they made this whole feature length movie called Legend of the White Dragon which is this original thing, but it's very much based on Power Rangers where he it's about kind of this kind of dark mercenary type guy who morphs into a guy called the White Dragon. Um, it, it, it looks interesting um, and it's supposed to come out in 2023. So keep an eye out for that. I'm looking forward to it, whatever cool. it turns out to be. Awesome. All right, then. Well, I think... Like I say, we're, we're done with that, so... <laughs> What a way to segue. Well, unless I mean, I don't really think there's anything left to add on the film. <laughs> I've, I've I've said more than enough about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie, <laughs> and I apologize to you, the host, and to the listeners. No, 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 it's it, it's fine. It's it's interesting. Um, no. like I say, it's. <laughs> I'm glad I've now seen this film. At least I can tick it off the list. Kind of thing. <laughs> All right then. Um, I like to end like second guest spots with. Um, so a what I call the movie of your life questions. If you fancy having a go at answering them, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Crack it! All right then. So good news: Hollywood's greenlit a movie of your life, and they uh, they've given you complete creative control. But they'd like to know the following things: Will the movie of your life be fact, fiction, or a mix of the two? Definitely a mix of the two. Why bother with fact? <laughs> well, print the legend. Yeah. Uh, they want to know what genre is it going to be. Um, hmm. C- can I get trippy with the genres, or do they have to yeah, be? Yeah, it's it's the movie of your life. You can. Uh, surrealist action comedy. Nice. Uh, who do you want to play you? Uh, Nicholas Cage or Ethan Ethan Hawke. I'm I'm leaning closer to Nicholas Cage though. Let's say Nicholas Cage and and Nicholas Cage as he is now, definitely not like young Nicholas Cage. <laughs> awesome. All right, who's playing your love interest? This can either be your real life partner or one made up for the film. I, um, I don't want to put the pressure on you with casting your fiance. <laughs> no, um, I would say, ooh, it's hard to go with. It's it's either going to be M. Emmett Walsh or F. Murray Abraham. It's ooh, it's such a tough decision. Um, I take it this isn't your real life love interest. <laughs> no, your fiance is like what? Fiance is, is like a, a thirty year old woman. But um, yeah, let, let's go with M. Emmett Walsh. Ah, <laughs> uh, Rob, how you doing there? All right, uh, who's directing the film? David Lynch or Baz Luhrmann. And who's doing the score and or soundtrack? And that's the soundtrack a la the Prince Batman soundtrack or. Madonna's Ooh, um, Dick Tracy one. 
Yeah. Okay. The score. Now that that that's a good one because I'd like to pick somebody a little bit. Angelo Badalamenti is no longer with us. Um, I would probably say. I mean, Giacchino is so obvious these days. David Arnold, baby. Yes. David Arnold. Yes. David Arnold. He'd be my choice. I 100%. fucking love David Arnold. The mo- I would actually go ahead and say he's the most underrated composer. Yep. Of the past thirty years. Like I would one hundred percent agree with that. Um, all right then, and finally, what's the title of the film? The title of the film. <laughs> um, give me a second here now. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I like so it. full of useless pop culture information that nobody cares about. And it, <laughs> did you know sets that up? I love it. That's awesome. All right, then. And, and it wouldn't be did you know question mark it'd be did you know exclamation mark oh we're going who framed Roger Rabbit are we yeah awesome I mean I think if that's not in cinema soon with a Baz Luhrmann David Arnold score I'm, I'm there for it Check all right then. um I, I'm assuming everything's still going strong with all-star superfan um there's, there's not been much Superman news going on recently to talk about not much, and we're actually we, we've made a decision that we're, we're not going to constantly do these kind of emergency episodes about the constant kind of breakneck speed of DC Universe. Uh, Cable's back, he's gone because you know you, you could do you could do a big kind of 30 minute discussion about something, and then the following week it's just completely irrelevant because they've decided to change it, or, or like someone's gotten fired. Or I do still quite like those though, I quite like the in the moment. Yeah, sort of capturing that moment as Superman fans talking about it. They're they're fun. It, it, it is frustrating though when you're like, "Cavill's back! This is going to be amazing." There's like, then, no, no, he's yeah. gone. <laughs> I, I I think anytime we do stuff like that from now on, it's just going to be okay. There's a trailer out. It this is literally a thing that's definitely going to happen. Let's talk about that or the, a movie review until know, they decide this, to do this, it as a tax write off. The movie definitely exists, and we've seen it. So let's talk about it. You know. Um, that's it. You can't even wait for production photos anymore because look at Batgirl. We all saw them photos. We got excited. Someday, baby, it's gonna happen. I like mark my words. Movie making is such a bizarre thing at the minute. Um, what what do we have coming up? We're we're doing an episode. We're definitely doing an episode on Superman Lives. I told Alan we have to do that, or or we leave the or I I leave the podcast. Uh, We 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 do have an episode coming up on inspired by the episode you did on Masters of the Universe. We're going to do an episode of our own on Masters of the Universe because we enjoyed that episode so much. Um, shout out to, I believe it was Stacy you had. Stacy Taylor, yeah. That was a great, that was a really, really good discussion and it, it, it spurred us on to do our own episode on it. Awesome. Um, what else do we have coming up? We're, we're definitely doing an episode down the line on the Justice League of America 1997 pilot. We're doing an episode on our favorite Superman anthology stories, including Red and Blue. If anyone hasn't read it, it's just a lovely kind of uh comic series full of just like short stories of superman that are just out of continuity and that anybody can just anyone who's watched the superman movie can just pick this up and read it and it's a lovely lovely little series so we're doing a an episode on that and a couple of nice little fun stuff coming up as well so uh check us out we're on all the socials all-star super fan facebook twitter and instagram and uh yeah check us out yeah that's awesome i mean i'm waiting for a uh, bibbo's b movie on Getting personal. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I've seen that film. <laughs> I like it. There's there's several I... Dean Kane films as well we can 
there's a whole bunch of Dean Kane movies, man. Fuck. The, the problem there's... with Dean Kane movies is the Dean Kaneness of it. He he sucks. Yeah. There's the one where it's kind of diehard. Do you, have you seen that one? No, I don't think I have. It's like Fire Break or Fire tra- Fire Trap. It's called. And oh yeah. Literally, literally, the DVD cover is just diehard. It's Dean Kane's face and a burning building next to it, and it's I I think he's like a diamond thief or something like that, and he has to. There's terrorists and there's a fire and it's a big building and it's basically Die Hard. But I have it on DVD, but it was only when I bought the DVD and I went to watch it that I realized that it was the French dub of the movie and there's no option to change it to English. Oh, dear. So It might be better, to be fair. It could be, maybe. <laughs> Dean's <knows>? best performance. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all of that and more coming up. Awesome. Cool. Well, cheers for doing this, man. I mean... Weird movie, fucking weird movie, but I, I have enjoyed talking about it. It's, it's quite nice. I left it till as late as possible just because I was like, "This horrible danger!" I'll forget everything I just watched. You, you, I have you to thank for this because you've given me a platform to talk about Power Rangers, which I think is one of the strangest pop culture phenomenons of yeah. all time. It could only have happened in the nineties. Any yeah. later, they just would have released the Japanese show as it was. Any earlier, they would have said, no, this is a bit too strange. And they did. They turned them down a couple of times before they made it. Because it was like, American kids aren't going to watch this, you know? Um, But it was just a perfect microcosm of the 90s. And I feel like the movie, even though it isn't the high watermark in terms of quality, it's the high watermark in terms of just the phenomenon. It's definitely a cinematic curio. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm always delighted to talk about it. So thank you. No, that's awesome. All right, well, we will do our fake goodbyes and then we'll chat a little bit afterwards. But yeah, cheers for coming on. And I will put all the links in the show notes where people can find you online. But yeah, no, cheers for that, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers, see ya. I heard you're in line to be a ranger yourself one of these days. Nah, that's impossible. Hey, anything's possible. You really think so? I know so. Red Kelman, the Silver Ranger. Uh, it does have a certain ring to it. Fred Kelman, the Gold Ranger. That was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. And why not? I'd like to thank Rob for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out the All-Star Superfan podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, or by checking the links in the show notes. At the time of recording this episode, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, is available in the UK on DVD as part of a double pack with Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. It's also available to rent digitally from Prime Video. We put a shout-out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film, and we had a few replies. At John Tuckerar on Twitter said, Saw the movie in the cinema when it came out, and I distinctly remember feeling like the movie felt slower and smaller than the show in a lot of ways. Like the evil plot was to make you eat Mr. Blobby Gunge. Wonder if it had more impact in the US where Nolte House Party didn't air. At Sheriff Freak on Twitter said, I saw it at the cinema when it came out, but not since then, because my mum refused to buy me the VHS for fear of it making me too violent, despite me being allowed to watch the show and every other show and film of its type. At Spyhards podcast on Twitter said, I was a massive Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan going in. Saw it with my brothers at the cinema. Whilst it was fun to see my favourites on the big screen, something just felt off for me. Between the wonky CG and the weird side plots, it's still fun, but a shadow of the TV show. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation where you see this episode on our social media channels. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, 
or why not join the and why not group over on Facebook. Not only will we be kept up to date with what episode is coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out on Freeview TV each week. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode and be able to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow and subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rate and if you have a second or two to spare, or don't, we're just grateful you spent the time listening to the episode. If you've missed any And Why Not episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, we're back on Tuesday, 4th of April, where I'll be joined by Matt Truax to discuss the 1993 Barry Sonnenfeld sequel, Adam's Family Values. But until then, this has been a Nerds Who Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, the funny thing about morphine is that you don't appreciate it until you can't do it anymore. Bye for now. <laughs>